The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome into Arrowhead Pride Radio. Arrowhead Pride, the most popular Chiefs website on all of the internet. Pass intercepted. It's Dan Sorensen. A pick six. Dan Sorensen. Dirty Dan Sorensen. All Chiefs, all the time. Here's Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. And welcome to AP Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger. Well, you heard it right there, Dirty Dan. That was already pre-produced. That was another one of Dirty Dan's pick six. Every once in a while. Dirty Dan, rip off a touchdown. He and Mark Keeps Peters you are tied for the second most in the right? NFL since 16. Dirty pick 16, Pete Sweeney, editor-in-chief, ArrowheadPride.com. We've got Ron Kopp, the lead analyst from ArrowheadPride.com, coming on at 615, like we do each and every week. Then a little special treat, deputy editor, ArrowheadPride.com, John Dixon, about his uh, complicated formula, <laughs> uh, be the first seed, playoffs, He's got the ratios for everybody. And I do want to ask you about Buffalo. Yeah, every Wednesday we'll have the playoff picture at arrowheadpride.com. Cool to have John coming on just a bit to talk about it. The injuries today, Pete, not not much to see here. Matter of fact, that's a very thin injury report, to be honest with you. When we did not practice today was Chris LeMans, the gunner there on special teams at high ankle sprain. Probably looking at a couple weeks for him. At least. The, The good news was Rashad Fenton with that knee. Limited practice today, but at least it was an LP. Not a DNP. Yeah, did I, not practicing. By the way, Niang's back as well. At least limited practice. We'll see where that goes. I saw Rashad Fenton walking around practice last week. He was not participating. He was out of practice technically all week. But looked all right. I I I think if he's limited on Wednesday, which he was, I bet you he progresses into maybe finding himself playing in this game. Lucas Niang limited again on Wednesday. This is a key injury to watch for Thursday because Niang, if you remember, Jay, was limited last Wednesday and then ended up shutting it down and missing the rest of the week. I think it's also a player that you watch and you wonder, are they going to put him in the mix until he's really ready? Andrew Wiley struggled at first, but has kind of settled in there at right tackle. And Andy Reid has typically in the past with these type of situations kind of ridden what is like the hot offensive line. You might think it may be different with these two guys because, as Andy said today, Andrew Wiley is a natural guard. So you have Niang, who they like at right tackle. Maybe he gets back in the mix if if he's ready. But these two players, I think, are trending in the right direction, and you nailed it on LeMond's. I, I think it'll be quite a few weeks. The Raiders, to me, have much greater injury issues because look no further than Darren Waller. Waller did Missed not practice game, again, did but knee and back. 
the the head coach of the Raiders, Rich Passaccia, said he's just getting out of the pool. If you're just getting out of the pool, maybe on what is going to be Thursday of game week, you're not playing in the game. So as far as health goes. Can't make right, the club in the tub literally. That's right. As far as health goes, the Chiefs should have a distinct advantage in this game. Let me ask you about this. Andrew Wiley obviously playing the tackle position. Kyle Long was activated, Pete. This is a question you've had to, to the Chiefs for, for a long time, going yeah. back into training camp, and everybody's kind of wondering, when's he coming back? Well, his his clock was about to expire, either yeah. be activated or be thrown back on the pup for the rest of the year. He's activated. Now, he, he's a guard by trade, but he made the Pro Bowl both guard and right tackle when he was with the Chicago Bears. Any chance, Now I don't think now, just give him a couple weeks. When we say three more weeks down the stretch, is Kyle Long the starting right tackle for the Chiefs? I don't think so. I really think it'll be Niang. It would have to be a situation where Niang came back and didn't play well, and maybe the Chiefs would try Long there. But I, I don't think Andy Reid likes to get these guys out of position that often. I just think Wiley's doing that right now because the Chiefs ended up thinking that he is the best possible option there. I consider Long, once he is active, once he's ready to go, he'll become essentially Trey Smith's personal backup at right guard. The Chiefs are fortunate and they have so much guard depth that I, I think, so say Joe Tooney were to get injured. I think and it's they, with trading LDT. Right. I, I think they put, I think they put Nick Allegretti in if the left guard position. And so you really have one for one at each position. Austin Blythe would be your center backup. Prince Tegawanogo might be that left tackle position. So, you got good options there across the board. Mike Remmers is on IR right now. We'll see if he even comes back at this point. But uh, the Chiefs are in a much better position right now, I would say, at offensive line than they were last year. And as we unfortunately learned, that is a very good thing. Is this a defensive team now, Pete? I say that kind of in jest because it's not what you expect when I say Kansas City Chiefs. You're thinking explosive offense. You're thinking a legion of Zoom. Mm. You're thinking of Mahomes there and the ball out. But defensively, last four, They've given up less than 10 points a game, 9.75. Last five, 11.2 points a game. Last six, because I'm going to throw the Titans game in there, just to be fair, that 27 points they gave up, that 27-3, they're still at 13.8, including that Titans game. Now, the offense is 23 points a game the last five games, but this defense, you believe in it at this point? I think they're a defensive team. I don't know how you couldn't say that after what we've seen. Wait, you think they're a defensive team? I do, I, until they're proven otherwise, right? And and we can't even necessarily rely on one game because you had the Raiders game three weeks ago, the first of the two. We'll get the second one on Sunday, but you had the first game a couple weeks ago, and all of a sudden you, you, know, you said to yourself, this is the offense I'm used to. Five touchdowns for Patrick Mahomes kind of having their way with an opposing defense. And then suddenly, as the weeks go on, the offense that you've grown used to in, in this season kind of – reared its ugly head, and the struggles are there after the opening script. It seems like the team gets lost. It shoots itself in the foot with drops and penalties and whatnot, whereas the defense, which was historically bad at the beginning of the season, has become this beacon of consistency for you. So I think right now they are a defensive team. I think it's important that they become a more balanced team before the playoffs begin because – I think with the offense playing this well, to reasonably expect them to win the AFC title is a stretch. And so 
you got to see something a little bit more consistent. It's got to be more than one game because we did see it against the Raiders. So if they do it Sunday, to me, they have to repeat it the next Thursday and then repeat it again the next Sunday. On the offensive side of the ball, the drops continue to be a problem. She's fourth, fourth most drops in the NFL. Tyreek Hill, second only to Keenan Allen, as far as drop passes are concerned. Andy Reid was asked about that today. Yeah, so every day after practice, we catch extra balls. And um, so we make sure we we get that done. Just concentration on, on the ball and looking at it all the way in, going back to those fundamentals during practice, on every throw um, during practice. Anytime you're catching a ball, looking all the way into the tuck. So... We'll, we'll keep working on that. He's big into that. Look at all the way back at the tuck. I did find this question today, Pete, uh, when Andy Reid has press conference by Sam McDowell. It asked him, the effectiveness of the offense minus the drops, like how much are you blaming the drops for the way the offense is performing? And I like something he uses here. Yeah, no, listen, um, I, I, we evaluate, we try to evaluate everything the best we can and look at it, uh, not hide anything. We try to do it from a, Real standpoint, I listen to what the coaches say. I listen to what the players say. I keep my ears open. <clears throat> Everybody's saying the right things. We're, uh, we've just got to take care of business. And, you know, as much as we're doing those things, that can change, you know, as long as we go into it and make that happen. So um, this will be a good challenge because they're a good defense and we, we're going to need to have that focus. And he used the term drive stoppers today as well because that's what it does. I mean, you look at what's happened with this team. You go back to that Dallas game, first possession of the second half again, back when you're on script a bit because you hit the ball first in the second half. Right. Travis Kelsey has one bounce off of him, interception. Same thing happened against the Broncos. You get the ball first, second half because the Broncos won the toss and they chose uh, to take the football first, giving the Chiefs the, for, the ball at the, at the end of the, uh, the first, the second half. And Tyree Kill lets one go through his hands and intercepted. These, yeah. these things have been... Not going the, the trend that they would like. No, I, I, I think when they start to get into a groove, something like that happens. You know, you, you talk about the penalties where, oh, you, you know, you, you're getting downfield and then all of a sudden there's a holding call or a personal foul. You have a drop. You have an interception. I, I know that Patrick Mahomes was, was taking some of the blame today, but when he threw that pass, it hit Tyree Kill and went into the hands of another defender he threw his hands in the air, similar to what you saw with Tyron Matthew and Daniel Sorensen earlier in the year. There has to be a little bit of frustration there, and I, I think it's it's there because what the Chiefs need right now is for mistakes like that to not happen so that they can get into a groove. I, I think they're really struggling to, to find a flow. I've been saying this all week. It really takes a flow, a rhythm in football, and they're breaking their own rhythm. That money quote that Eric Bieniemy made – a few weeks ago where the Kansas City Chiefs are kicking the Kansas City Chiefs' ass, we have not seen that stop yet when it comes to the offense. And so I think if you play a little bit more clean football, efficient football, and you could score, it kind of opens the floodgates a little bit, similar to what you saw against the Raiders a few weeks ago. Can they repeat it on Sunday? And then the key here, not to look past it, well, we can look past it because we're just radio hosts. Yeah. And, the key is going to be winning that Thursday night football game. You got to have your offense feeling good about themselves. You use Sunday to feel good about your, that yourself because you're going into what is going to be the biggest game of the year division wise. Because you expect the Chargers to take care of business against the Giants. You expect to win this game on Sunday. Thursday night, short rest, traveling will be for first place in the AFC West. And by the way, Keenan Allen knew it on the COVID list earlier this week. Mike Williams goes on it today, and Chris Harris. Something to watch. 
right. uh, with the Chargers for next Thursday night because we're looking at a game in, in eight days for the Kansas City Chiefs, this stretch of 11 days with three games with the Broncos, the Raiders, and uh, the Chargers. Chiefs versus the Raiders, 8-2 and two in the last 10, 12-2 in the last 14, 14 in the last 17. They've definitely had their number. I did want to ask you about one thing, Pete. At the end of the first half, because I think it could symbolize other things, end of the first half, minute nine left, two timeouts, they decide to run the football. I mean, with the defense playing like it was early in the season, I doubt they do that. Look, I, I figured they would press the ball down, knowing they're going to have the ball in the second half, try to get any kind of points they could, then get a touchdown in the first half. They didn't do that, that situation. Patrick Mahomes joins the drive each and every Monday at 215 this is the way he described that drive and what they were thinking about. I'm curious what you're thinking about. Yeah, well, with the situation and with the wind blowing against us, we knew that we were going to have to get pretty pretty far into the red zone to, to get in the, the range to have a real legitimate chance at a field goal. So we were we didn't want to give them the ball and give them the, the win where they could get points and knowing that we got the ball coming out of half. So we wanted to run the ball, and, and we were hoping with the run play that we'd get a, a little bit of a bigger chunk uh, of yards there. And if we got a bigger chunk of the yards, uh, then we would kind of get into that two-minute mode. But we they, they played a good defense, made a good play, and kind of stuffed us there. So at, after that point, we were kind of in that mode where we were trying to run the timeout. And uh, we got it down enough, but we, we wish we at least got at least one first down to kind of end the possession with the ball. It was certainly frustrating because it's not the Chiefs we're used to seeing. We're I mean, used to seeing aggressive, let yeah. it fly type of deal. Even Mahomes Two is, timeouts. I mean, I'm not criticizing Mahomes here, but even those comments, right, that's not the Chiefs. Those aren't the Chiefs. It shows me that the defense is the most trusted right now. Run the football because you want to pick up chunks. You know how the Chiefs are supposed to pick up chunks by throwing the ball. I mean, and 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 there's like a, there's you can even hear it there in the game plan and the thought process right now in the offense. There's a little fear there. We didn't want to give the ball back to the Broncos, so now you're you're going into a situation like that worried. I mean, there was one minute left. There were two timeouts. And they did not. Uh, your guy, Alex that, Okafor, the, almost made a pay. Your 2019 Chiefs, 2019 Patrick Mahomes talking to 2021 Patrick Mahomes there as he's talking to the drive would be like, what's wrong with you? I'm not going to do my Mahomes impression. You know, but. I can't believe the defense dropped three picks. I mean, that's why they play defense. I get it. So I right. can't come but down on their hands. Even the but. Broncos in that situation were, were, I think, a little bit shell-shocked. And then they end up calling timeout because they be wanted there. to be aggressive at that point. It's like, what yeah. kind of twilight zone, Kansas City Chiefs twilight zone, have we found ourselves in? Good stuff. Uh, Ron Cop uh, at Ron underscore K-O-double-P, as Pete says, uh, joins us next. He's the lead analyst over at ArrowheadPride.com. And he had a pretty good piece out today about just how good this Chiefs third down defense is becoming. To Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else. 
and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to AP Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger, Jay Bigley, and the editor-in-chief, not me, it's Pete Sweeney. He's the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Lead analyst on the phone line now as he joins us each and every week for Arrowhead Pride Radio. Did a fantastic piece about the Chiefs' third down defense over at ArrowheadPride.com. His name is Ron Kopp, at Ron underscore KO, as Pete says, double P. What's up, Ron? Hey, guys. How are we doing tonight? Hey, we're doing good, man. Did you have fun diving into third down defenses? I know I've spoke to you in this in the past, but... You know, did you ever think there'd be a time and day where the Chiefs would be in the top 10 in that particular category? Now, it doesn't mean the teams aren't going for on fourth down because they're almost at 64% going against the Chiefs on fourth down, but at least third down, the Chiefs have their number. Yeah, and I think the fourth down numbers is still skewed from just, just it was earlier in the season, but this entire season teams being aggressive on fourth down, um, knowing that Mahomes was on the other side of the field, although. Obviously, the offense isn't as threatening as it used to be. But, yeah, this third-down defense, man, all of a sudden top 10 in the league season long after I, – I don't know the exact ranking as, you know they were in certain times this season, but I can't imagine they were very close to the top 10 at, at some point. Um, and what really it is right now is it's just Steve Spagnuolo in his bag. He's just calling great plays and great situations, not being predictable whatsoever. You know, one third down, he'll, he'll send the entire – house and, 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 you know, not have any safety cover zero blitz. And then the next third down, he, he's dropping into coverage and only rushing four guys and, and, and confusing the quarterback in, 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 in that way. So I think it's really about Spags right now. It's funny. You, we kind of heard maybe some, uh, you know, some, some hot seat talks about Spags earlier this season <laughs> when the defense wasn't performing well. I think this was telling you that it was, all, it was always about the personnel, which, hey, you can definitely blame Spags maybe a little bit for, for some of those personnel decisions. But once he got the, the best personnel in there, we're seeing the best lineup in right now. It, it's it's just all working together, and, and, and it's all coming together on third down specifically with his play calls. And they're getting off the field. That's what matters, man. Ron, I'm going to make this tough on you and take Dirty Dan out of the mix. Who's been the most important defensive player for the turnaround? <laughs> yeah, Dirty Dan 6-6, man. That was the game <laughs> stealer. So you got to give him credit. Um Man, the most important player, it's hard to not say someone like Melvin Ingram just off the top of your head yeah. because you talk about he comes right in and all of a sudden the, the pass rush comes alive. I don't know how many offensive linemen, or I should say what, how, how they would rank pass rushes they want to face right now. I think this trio of, of Chris Jones, Melvin Ingram, and Frank Clark would, would be up there. And guys like Jaron Reed started to, to make plays as well. So you got to account for all them, but... You know, I, I think what it all comes down to it, I think I think the main player that, that has been kind of the, the star of the show over this last stretch that, that continues to make plays with Jarius Sneed. I, I'd even want to say Traverius Ward, too, but Sneed just play, just has makes so many plays in the run and on the, against the pass. He's all over the field. Sags trust him to do a variety of things. And, and man, he's, he's really becoming one of the best playmakers at, the, in, at that slot cornerback position in the entire NFL uh, already. It's crazy. Ron, you look at this team and you look at the defensive uh, progress that they've made, and the one thing that hasn't coincided with it is Nick Bolton's playing time. 
You know, we've seen it, you know, hovering around 29%, 28%, 34%. He was about 82% going back that Titans game. But he still leads this team by 20 tackles. He still leads tackles for losses by by five. Now, he does make the best of it. Had four tackles this last week. He makes the best of it within 29% of the snaps. What do you make of that? Just Hitchens play in the way he's at? Are you a little bit surprised they're having the success they are defensively with Nick Bolton's numbers coming down as far as snaps? Yeah, going into this game, I, I would have told you that, yeah, I, I, I'm not in favor of all of putting Hitch back in completely over Bolton, and that's not what they're doing. You know, Bolton still gets mixed in sometimes in those two linebacker sets alongside Gay, but most of the time right now it is Hitchens and, and, and Gay, but I say going into last game because if, if you notice, man, Hitchens was flying all over the field against Denver. He was he was shooting through gaps as, as quick as I've ever seen him do it. Um, you know, he, he looked a lot faster and quicker, like I said, than, than he has in a while. We, we talked about in the preseason that he, that he might have lost the weight and looked a little more spry. I feel like it, it really hasn't come to fruition in the regular season until Denver. Really, He really stood out in that respect. Um, there's still a few missed tackles, which th- that's wh- where I come to my, my, my final point, my overarching point, is that I still would rather have Bolton in the game. Bolton just seems to be still a more, uh, you know, a, a steadier tackler, a more consistent tackler, just, you know, quicker to the hole, you know, just a, more of a playmaker. There's a younger guy, obviously. Hitchens is, is a veteran, but I got to give Hitchens credit, though. He, he looked a lot better, and, he, and he's probably kind of feeling that hot seat maybe a little bit from Bolton. You know, we, we, we talk about Alex Smith maybe feeling the heat from, from Mahomes, Mahomes' rookie year. You know, Hitch might be feeling that, too, and that might be kind of propelling him to play maybe, you know, better than he has at, at times this season. As Steve Spagnolo deserves all the credit in the world for this turnaround, but he does have this tendency to lean into veterans, even when the athletic ability of some of these younger guys is quite obvious. I think you're seeing a little bit of that with Nick Bolton, Pete Sweeney here with Jay Binkley talking to our lead analyst from Arrowhead Pride, Ron Cop. All right, Ron, let's talk about the offense. We got to go into the doldrums here. What's your explanation for why they can't put two weeks together here? Yeah, you know, I you, we ever all come out of this bye week and we're thinking, oh, okay, we're going to see an Andy Reid special. We're going to see that open script, creative as heck. You know, we're going to see reverses. We're going to see really well designed screens. We're going to see all these these special plays. You know, if you look pretty closely, Andy actually kept it very vanilla against Denver, and that actually makes me think. And, and I don't necessarily agree with with his philosophy here, but I think he's really starting to resort back to. The, the philosophy he had when, when it was an Alex Smith offense where, mm. hey, we're going to come out, we're going to score points early, we're going to get out to a 7 or 10 nothing lead, and then we're just going to coast, man. I'm not going to show you anything else if I'm Andy <laughs> Reid. I got a lot of stuff in, in my bag, but why would I show you when I trust my defense and my special team and my offense just enough to do enough and win the game? And, and I really think that's what happened because, man, there was, there was no sort of creativity in terms of the reverse game against Denver you know, a lot of the passes, uh, the big, even the, the more successful passes, a lot of basic concepts, not a lot of, uh, you know, you're designing a, a big play for somebody in particular. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I really think, and, and I don't, I, I, I think it's a, a not being aggressive in that sense as a play caller can really come back to bite you. And, and we have all talked about the Andy Reid shutdown mode in, in his career, but, I mean, that can really come back to bite you if you don't, you know, if you don't come out of that at, at certain times when you need to. I trust that he's going to come out of it, uh, you know, yeah. when, when the games really matter. You know, he'll really, you know, he'll trust Mahomes a little more maybe to get to, to have that all come together and the offense to kind of be just, just go off a little more, I guess, and kind of be more aggressive with the play calling. But it seems like right now he's kind of he's content with 
hey, let's just find a way to win these games. You know, I'm not going to show much. I'm going to trust my defense because they're playing really well right now. And I'll wait until the postseason to really break out the, the stuff, uh, you know, or maybe just more important games. Yeah, uh, Rana. Break out the stuff I really need to. That's what I wanted you to be clear about because I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you when it comes to what has been in a vanilla offense. So you think it's much more Andy Reid saving some things for what might be the Chargers on Thursday night or what might be a postseason game than just a fear that maybe the defense is going to cause you to fumble or intercept the football. You think he's saving it maybe for a Chargers game would be a perfect example. I just think so because we've seen him do that in the past. I think it's actually, it was, it was very obvious in the Alex Smith era that he's, right. he's doing that at times. Um, and, and, yes, the thing is, this offense would look a lot better if they still would just freaking execute, as you guys have already talked about tonight. Just don't drop the ball, don't fumble, and, and, and all of a sudden the vanilla offensive game plan you know, looks a lot better because they're able to execute those plays. But, yeah, I, I really think the main thing right now, if the offense needed to score more or needed to be turned up a little more, I think Andy, with his play calling, could do so. It just seems like right now they're kind of content to not do it at this point. Because um, I think even the opening script against Denver was very vanilla. It, it wasn't a lot of you know well-designed, crazy plays. It was just a lot of base offense. They just executed it, and then then they didn't do it for the rest of the game. So. Yeah, it should yeah, be noted. Yeah, Rod, it should be noted. Chiefs five and zero when they win the turnover battle. They're three and four when the turnovers are even or a negative turnover ratio. They have cleaned that up. They're twenty fourth in the NFL now at minus five. So they've gotten out of that thirty two spot. Uh, giveaways, they're still thirty first, but takeaways, they're eleven. So they're getting the ball back. And they're doing it. I mean, I look at this offense and at times, Ron, and sometimes it's – and also we want to look at the penalties. Remember they were one of the least penalized teams at the beginning of the year? They started creeping up to the top five. They're 14th in the NFL in penalties at this point. This part is coming back for the Chiefs, a respectable amount. But these are drive killers, man. It is drive killers when you're dropping the football, you're on a roll, the offense has a rhythm. Because a couple times we've seen with the Broncos game and with the – Going back to the Cowboys game, Chiefs were in a rhythm in the second half, and it just stops the drive. I mean, I think this offense has more, but I would put a lot on the drop passes. Well, yeah, and you mentioned the penalties, man. That's just as bad as the drop pass. Think about Trey Smith a couple weeks ago against Dallas. He has 30 yards of penalty on one drive, and, and there's just no chance you're getting back in that drive. And, and, and those holding calls have happened a few times here and there where it just seems like it, at the worst situations possible. So. No, it really is just, just the Chiefs just being a little undisciplined. But I think Andy, you know, with knowing that, you know, I think there is maybe a little bit of, hey, you know, right now my defense is my best unit. I'm going to trust them a little more than my offense. And, hey, it's worked out right now. And, and his entire career in the regular season, that has worked out. Andy's made, had that happen. But it hasn't worked out in the postseason when he, you know, in those seasons with Alex Smith. You know, obviously it always ended bad. So, you got to hope he changes that philosophy by the time January rolls over. Good stuff, Ron. I will note the Raiders are second in the NFL in penalties by one, mm. or they would be the top penalized team in the NFL. They're second in penalty yards, so they're exactly where they're usually at with penalties Thank for you, this Vegas, game. right? Thanks. But uh, Ron, Ron Kopp, uh, lead analyst Arrowhead Pride, joins us each and every week. Good talking to you, Ron. Yes, sir. Have a good night, fellas. Coming up next is a new feature of ArrowheadPride.com. It's a good read. Playoff Probabilities. What you need to win, who you need to lose, can you win the number one seed? Good stuff with Deputy Editor of ArrowheadPride.com, John Dixon. He's next. You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. Brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. 
Welcome back to AP Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream, dream bigger. Jay Pinkley, and I'm sitting here with Pete Swinney, editor-in-chief, arrowheadpride.com. And joining us now, the deputy editor of arrowheadpride.com, John Dixon, who started today something that's going to be continuing throughout the year, and that's playoff probabilities for the Kansas City Chiefs. And it's come to my understanding this has been the most popular article today on arrowheadpride.com. So, uh, John, congratulations. And uh, you're saying at this point a 90% chance of the Chiefs to make the postseason. Yeah, we actually started this uh, last Monday. Uh, and a week ago, uh, the chance was a little less, 84%, uh, to make the playoffs. But, of course, the win against Denver and a couple of other things that happened in the league brought it up to 90%. So that's actually a very good probability. Uh, getting down to cases, the Chiefs only need to win three of the five remaining games to have an almost locked-in chance to win the playoffs. If they win the first three uh, they're locked in. If they win, for example, against the Chargers, Steelers, and Bron- Broncos, they're locked in. But any three of five gives them like a greater than 99% chance to be in the playoffs. So they're in very good shape there. Um, now that would just give them, just guarantee them, uh, a wild card game in the playoffs. They might do better than that, depending on what else happens. But, uh, of course, what we really want is to uh, have a home game in the playoffs, and the easiest way to do that is to win the AFC West. And um, the Chiefs really have a very simple thing there. They just have to to win uh, three of their division games, the next three of them. Um, And the, the most critical game there is the game against the Chargers. If they lose that game against the Chargers because... The Chargers have that head-to-head tiebreaker from their win over the Chiefs earlier in the season. That makes it very difficult for them to uh, to win the division. It can be done, but they would have to win the rest of their games, the rest of the, f- the five games, and then the Chargers would have to lose one of their games against the Giants, Texans, Broncos, and Raiders. So we've really got to win that game against the Chargers, which unfortunately is on a Thursday night um, on the road. But uh, that's going to be the key to winning the West. Um, Then we have the first-round bye. People are very interested in that. Um, And right now the Chiefs have a pretty good chance uh, to win that first-round bye. Um, Well, actually not that good, 13%. (laughs) (laughs) Saying that's still more than uh, Dumb and Dumber when they said you said I got a chance when it was 99% chance she wouldn't go out with him. (laughs) Well, the thing is that if the Chiefs take care of their business, if they win their last five games, which I think is quite possible, I think that that's something they could really do, they stand a three and four chance to get that first round by. And a week ago, all they needed in addition to that to the winning their last five games was five losses from four different teams. They had to have the Ravens lose twice. They had for, they needed for the Buffalo Bills to lose a game. They needed for the uh, the Patriots to lose a game, and they need the Titans to lose a game. Well, we got some help over the weekend. Uh, the Ravens lost to the Steelers. The Bills lost to the Patriots. So now. All we need are losses by the Ravens, Patriots, and Tennessee Titans 
to go along with winning out the rest of the season, and the Chiefs will lock up the number three seed or the number one seed in the playoffs. So it's it's definitely possible. What's very interesting is not this week, but following the Chiefs game against the Chargers. If they win that game, then in week 15, the Patriots play the Colts on the road, the Titans go to Heinz Field to play the Steelers, and the Ravens uh, will host the Packers. Now, right now, those games are almost pick They could all three go either way. If the right teams win those three games, then all the Chiefs would have to do is win out, and they've got that number one seed. So that's why, I, you know, in my mind, I think this is pretty easy, even though <laughs> as it stands right now, it isn't. Well, um, it's a great read, John. I mean, it, it's a great read. Each and every Wednesday you put that out there. It's good stuff. I know people are reading it. Uh, I look forward to seeing us again next week. Glad to be on with you. John Dixon, deputy editor, ArrowheadPride.com. Thanks a lot, John. I appreciate that. And, I think the, so the and I am curious about the Bills' probability because you and I were talking about this before. Right. It's strange to even talk about the Bills not making the playoffs after, you know, looking good earlier this year, winning against the Kansas City Chiefs in dramatic fashion. But they're seven and five. Right. There's a bunch of mediocre teams right behind them: the Colts, the Browns. They're in the same situation, but they got to play the Bucks at the Bucks. They got to go play at the Patriots. Could be seven losses for the Bills, but then they have a combination with the Falcons and the Jets and the Panthers. Very winnable games. But, Pete, this, the margin for error for that team in Buffalo slim to none after losing the Patriots. Yeah, it's getting a little bit dicey in Buffalo, and I know for a fact that that fan base was really high on their team heading into the season, coming out of that AFC title game with the Chiefs and, and feeling like they were close and they rebuilt some of their defense. And I, I just feel like... They thought that this would be a Super Bowl type of year, and it's almost like they were blinded by some of the AFC contenders and just forgot about the New England Patriots when, at the time, Cam Newton was their quarterback, and, and you had kind of seen Cam. Forgot about the team that had won 31 of 35 Big before mistake. they the Patriots last year. And what is getting worse, I think, for Buffalo, and we saw it partly, I think, on Monday Night Football in those terrible conditions, is there is still a window here to control the AFC East because you could tell Mac Jones, in a sense, is still cooking. He's not ready to yeah, be. Yeah, Belichick said after the game on his radio interview, WEI, said, well, they haven't seen our passing game yet because he was talking but about what you might have in store in a, for him. In a sense, I mean, they didn't have the trust necessarily in Mac Jones to do what they were trying to do with Josh Allen, and that's use the wind and kind of throw with it, throw against it when you had to take a little bit off, to you know put a little bit on to, to try to play to the wind. And Jones, it looks to me, is like they're molding him and he's only going to get better. So they're missing what I think is a window where they don't really have a, a quarterback that they're super high on right now in those big spots to go win the game, and they blew that game. And, again, now it becomes dicey. The key numbers from Dixon to me were 84% going up to 90% of the playoffs. We had – it's hard to remember this now, but we had worries that the Chiefs were even going to make the postseason at the beginning of the year because it was a mess. Now they're at 90%, so that's a given. And then the 13% chance for them to get the first round by, that'll only improve with upset losses. And the weekend that he described after the Chiefs – can maybe take care of business on Thursday night football. Those three teams they need to lose are facing tough games. The key to me was the Patriots against a red-hot Colts team. 
if the Patriots are able to get by the Bills in their second meeting, the Colts is the only other hill they have to climb to probably clinch that division. Does Mac Jones remind you of an early Tom Brady take care of the football and play defense? I'll say this. Tom Brady, 2001, when he actually uh, was in 15 games to the Patriots, 2,800 yards passing, 63% completion, 63.9, almost 64. Mm-hmm. 18 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Mac Jones, 70.3% completion. So better. 28.69 yards already with all these games still to go. 16 touchdowns, 8 picks. So he's going to beat him in completions, uh, completion percentage, yards, touchdowns. It That reminds me of early Tom Brady, man, he the way looks, they're playing. He looks to be the best quarterback of that class right now. I mean, it's so early in it. And and I you know I don't know if necessarily Trevor Lawrence was dealt a, a fair hand here. It Which was, is he's he wasn't. It, it, he went to Jacksonville. It's terrible. Um, Trey Lance we we haven't really seen. Fields same type of, of case. Zach Wilson to me has not been as good as Jones. Who it's probably a comparable quarterback right to what would be Jones. So shocker after a year of COVID and only playing your conference that we no yeah. combine we have these situations Jones, shocking Jones falls to New England and uh, you're seeing what's happening and I, I think I, I I had this um we did this poll at SB Nation where the entire league's fans are polled and only I think it was slightly above half felt like Mac Jones would be the long-term guy I see him as a long-term guy I'm oh, not saying is. that he's going to be Tom Brady. I think that'd be absurd to say, but I I think he's going to be the the quarterback that is going to drive Bills fans crazy for the next decade. Well, they're and playing half. like early Tom Brady. I mean, yeah, ball control. You know, let the defense win games. The amount of back, the way they use their running, and backs. then things changed obviously with Randy Moss. The rest that. of the league, so you have these four or five teams that use the one running back. The rest of the league pretty much uses two. But you have almost a three-headed monster in New England, and it doesn't seem like these three guys in Stevenson, Harris, and Bolden really care who's on the field at what time. And they've just been using that type of system for a while. And it's bailing Jones out, in a sense, especially a weather game like we saw on Monday night. Absolutely love that Monday night football game. I know a lot of people didn't. I actually did like that game. I thought Belichick trolled. The Bills. <laughs> it was top three performance by him. Did you hear McDermott? It's not a. It's not a Belichick thing. Yeah, come it's on. not. I mean, come on, man. The guy's got. The guy's got <laughs> six rings, man. Just give his credit. Coming up next, if you want to ask Pete Sweeney a question, hit me up on Twitter. Jay Southland. Bring Tulsa the questions in. Nine one three five seven six seven sixteen. Questions for Pete. Plus a Pete question from this week. I love it. We haven't got I the Pete questions. Pete question next. Listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Frequently, you'll mention two uh, four Melvin Ingram and, and what he's been able to do. Uh, how much do you view him as a, a catalyst of, of really getting this whole defense and, and the ship righted there? Yeah, no, he's been a positive, positive influence um, for the defense. I, I think he probably the the thing was getting everybody back healthy: corners, D line, linebackers. You know, we we had pieces missing. It seemed like every week, uh, and and. Um, you know, then, and then some of the younger kids are getting more experience and, and playing better. So I, I think it's a culmination of all of that. <clears throat> but I, I don't want to slight Melvin. Um, when you had a, a Pro Bowl player in there, I mean, that's that's going to help you. 
and then he's got a good attitude. So, yeah. and he's a good leader. He's very smart. Um, so it's been a welcome addition. I, you know, the credit goes to Brett Beach on that for sure. It's our free first Pete question of the night. You listen to AP Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger. Jay Binkley, Pete Sweeney. And, and Pete, you asked this question to Andy Reid on Monday. You think about the trade deadline deals in the NFL, and you've got to find the right fit for the right team. I mean, you need to think of Von Miller and Odell going to the Rams. They haven't won yet since they, they got there. This is a guy, in my opinion, that's made Jaron Reed bigger. Saw the double team that Melvin got in Vegas. Jaron gets a sack. Yeah. Then he gets another half sack, and all of a sudden, for the first time this year, you've seen him. You know, and then Chris Jones sliding in inside 36 snaps this week. He's been the right guy at the right time, and you do have to credit the general manager because there's certain boxes you have to check, and obviously this draft was a home run for Brett Beach. Well, these type of moves are too. Yeah, and, and the good thing, I think, for the Chiefs in it is they ended up getting a discount. I know that a lot of people were like, well, why didn't they just have him from the beginning? They wouldn't be able to. They tried. To- they weren't able to come to an agreement. And so, uh, as has been pointed out on our website, he, he came, in a sense, at a, at a discount. And he has played such a role for the Chiefs. And at times, you don't understand how uh, a team like the Steelers, who are going to be really, I think, crawling and, and clawing their way at trying to get a playoff in the AFC tournament, they let him go to a, a contender. And, and this is a worst-case scenario, but if the Chargers – are able to knock off the Chiefs, they would be in the in the driver's seat for the division, and the Chiefs would take up one of those wild card spots. And so you gave a team that could be a potential wild card spot, and, and you gave them maybe one of their most important players this year. And it's also worth no- noting, Jay, and we'll probably talk about this more next week, but what's been made of these next three games, starting with the Broncos, ending with the Chargers, is this AFC West stretch. After Raiders on Sunday... We get a little Melvin Ingram stretch because you get the L.A. Chargers on Thursday. I know that he is going to be juiced for that game, even though when I asked him about that game when he first got to Kansas City, he said, what for? Which, it's all right, Melvin. You, 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 he, he you got me game. at the presser. That's fine. Whatever. That's going to be the, the Melvin Ingram game. It's the Melvin Ingram, Ingram stretch because you get the Chargers on Thursday night. Ingram against the Chargers at L.A. in the prime time where he spent 10 years. And then 10 days later... The Pittsburgh Steelers at Arrowhead Stadium, where Mike Tomlin said that he would rather have uh, volunteers with him than people that were trapped, hostages, as he described it. Oh. So there's going to be some little, there's going to be some juice to those two games for Melvin Ingram for sure. From the nine one three, Pete questions here: As great as Mahomes is, does he have the worst mechanics of any superstar quarterback ever? Mechanics are poor. That's something that uh, Skip Bayless was, or no, well, not Skip Bayless. Who were you looking to saying that? Was it? Uh, it was. It was Skip. Wasn't it was Skip it? It was saying Skip. it. You know, talking about the one mechanics. of the talking heads. They're all the same. But, it, but the bottom line is, his mechanics. You can go back the last couple of years and look at some of the throws because he, he was just, rewriting the book on he mechanics just, before he just this makes year. the throw, and that's always been the most important. Now, he, drop passes has nothing to do with Patrick Mahomes. He he's not a quarterback that you're going to show to your son coming up in Pop Warner and be like mimic this because it it has to be you know grown to that and you have to show the athletic ability. Mahomes was essentially rewriting the book on quarterback mechanics because he would switch hands and throw on the run, not have his feet set, throw off balance, and a lot of times you would say, you know, 80% of the times it, it would be accurate. What's happening this year is it's been inaccurate and the offense is struggling, so now these things that are abnormal that he was kind of 
I guess, being a trailblazer in a sense when it came to mechanics are being shined in the light. But let's not forget about 2018 to 2020 when it was the coolest thing to watch. I, I can't no get on it for mechanics. Everybody loved it. It's a it's such a quick memory in the NFL, and and that's why Andy Reid is constantly reminding these guys it's all about the next game, all about the next play. It's always been what have you done for me lately, Pete? Uh, after this Raiders game, you're getting an opportunity to see SoFi. Uh, I'm curious for you, and my question will be when you get out to LA, is are they adopting the Chargers? Because I just see a whole lot of because LA didn't have those teams, and they found teams to root for, and obviously the Chiefs are one of them because they fill that place up. But that's what they've had to deal with at SoFi, the visiting fans. I call the Chargers the team that rents the garage over their mom's yeah. basement. So I, I do some work with 41, as as people know. They're actually throwing a, a before-the-game-even-starts party at the Chiefs bar in L.A. Reggie will be there. To get, yeah, to get you know on TV and, and have them interview about what Chiefs games are like. And I expect to be, there to be a heavy, heavy, heavy contingent of Chiefs fans making the trip out to California. This is the biggest game of the year. The Chiefs fans travel well. Andy Reid always says that. And Thursday night games are weird. By the way, that's uh, Pete Sweeney, editor-in-chief, ArrowheadPride.com. Ron Kopp, lead analyst from ArrowheadPride.com. Joined us, John Dixon, the deputy editor of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined us as well. I recommend both. Uh, both Ron had a fantastic yeah. article in the third down uh, percentage and where the, the Chiefs defense down top 10 in that category. And John Dixon's probabilities. Huge thanks to Rob Britton staying the extra hour. Thanks, Rob. Much appreciated from one Rob Britton. Thanks to everybody for listening. This will be podcasted for your listening pleasure. Tyreek on the commercial says Cheetah out. I'm going to say Peta out. Peta out. There we go. Shout out uh, to uh, Ralph in Dodge City. No, no. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>